The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light upon those who dwelt in the land of gloom. A light has shone. What's been your land of gloom? Right, Christmas, we, we tend to think of it, the joys of, of that moment, and sometimes we forget that the very thing that we are to bring to the Lord is our gloom, our darkness. Because that's where he wanted to enter into. Right? It's, it's beautiful in the sense of the fulfillment of prophecy is that from the land of gloom, which was where we were before, those northern tribes that were so close, so intermingled with the Gentiles, there, Naphtali, Zebulon, up there in that area, they called it the land of gloom because it was from there that the oppressors came and they, they took away all that was sacred to the people. They took them from their promised land. They ripped away their identity. And so that was looked at as a land of gloom, of darkness, of despair. And we see that the Lord wanted to be connected to there, to that place. But then he journeyed in the womb of Mary to this place to fulfill the prophecies that the the Messiah would be born in the city of David, that that he would come from here. But even here, he came into the night. And so every Christmas, I think it's good for us to think of, what are the worst things that happened to me this year? What were those moments when I thought I needed a Savior the most? Those times that, that, that I... Let my heart dwell in the land of gloom. And how can I give that to the Lord and say to him, Lord, I want you to be born here. Not just in the good parts of my heart, of my life, of my history, but in the gloom. Because I want to see that great light. I want to have that abundant joy and that great rejoicing that only comes from meeting you. Now, we're celebrating Christmas right now, which is wild because we're in the middle of Lent. And we might think that this is just kind of this liturgical schizophrenia right now where we don't know where we are, what we're supposed to be doing. But there's actually an analogy of this in the physical universe, right? Einstein's whole theory of relativity is that time and space can kind of bend a little bit when there's great mass. And when we're by the Lord of the universe, time and space can act a little funny as well. Because he's beyond time and space, and so he brings us across time to be present at the sacrament of Calvary. And across space as well. But how beautiful that at this Mass, we're able to be physically in that location where for the first time the Word made flesh was seen where his voice was heard for the first time. And how beautiful that the first things that he uttered from those sacred lips was not an eloquent speech, but a baby's cry. There we're on level ground with him. All of us have done that before and have been at the point of doing that ever since. 
Things happen in our lives and we can't put them into the words. All that we can do is just cry out to the Lord and he says, yes, that too is a prayer. That was the first words that I had was exactly that. So that I can meet you in your crying out. I can meet you in your dependency. Very often that's the most difficult thing for us is to think that we would be dependent on another person or on other people. We buy the devil's lie that he spits up from the bowels of hell that we are a burden and we shouldn't be. But in God's eyes, we're a blessing. The fact that he would humble himself to be dependent on Mary and Joseph, that he would utterly inconvenience their lives. He wants us to be able to be that kind of a blessing to others. There's, there's great dignity, actually, in embracing with grace the fact that we need other people. Jesus didn't have to come that way. He didn't have to first appear as a little infant completely needy. And yet he did. Because he knew that we in our pride would never want to be needy. Not only with other people, but with God himself. Sometimes we're shocked at our weakness. We'll talk about it all over the place, but then when it actually proves to be very weak, we're like, no, 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 that can't be me. There must be a mistake here, God. I'm supposed to be the strong one. And he says, I was made the weak one for you. Why can't you be made the weak one for me? He came down and was held so that we would learn the humility to be willing to be held by him. And so we bring to him all that went wrong this year, all that's going wrong right now, and we realize that was the ideal situation that he chose to come into 2,000 years ago. All was not well in the world. The promised people were under an oppressive government. Joseph and Mary had to traverse the whole country to come to this place because of that government. And I guarantee they weren't cursing Quirinius and Caesar that whole time. They were thinking of the Lord. And there's a lesson for us as well, is that Jesus didn't pick a perfect environment to enter into. He picked a place where he was needed. And so how can I admit to him that I, that I need him? How can I give him all of those situations that have been most painful and that need his presence the most? And how can I let him be born there? And then when he is there, when I know of his presence, I can have what Joseph and Mary had as they walked from Nazareth, Nazareth to Bethlehem. What they had was the ability to focus on joy rather than anger. That's something that the world has lost. Right? Even within the church, we have drank in the world's anger and we think that that's the only way to fight evil. And we've made it this litmus test of if you're orthodox, you must be angry. If you're not angry enough, that must mean you don't care enough. And it's eating us alive. It's separating us from one another and it is shattering our own hearts from within. We're focused on the politicians are doing this. The geopolitics, this is what's happening. In my church, the pastor does this and not that. 
In my diocese, the bishop is having this thing, and I don't like it. This bishop is writing about this. This bishop is writing about that. We get lost in all of that, and we forget that Jesus is there and just saying, I want you to focus on me and find joy instead of focusing on all of that and uncovering wrath and anger. It's beautiful that they placed us in this particular chapel because it reminds us that Bethlehem is actually not all that far away. This is the chapel of what? Of the Blessed Sacrament. That we are able to have a Bethlehem that we can visit because God can bend time and space and bring us to this exact moment of the manger and to the exact place of God's presence every time that we're before the Blessed Sacrament. That he allows us to hold him sometimes in our hands, to receive him on our lips, to hold him in our hearts. May we do so with that same tenderness that we would have if we were at the manger. Joseph is holding that child. Mary is resting. Joseph looks you in the eye and says, do do you want to receive him? Do you want to hold him right now? What tenderness with which we would receive him look into his eyes and hold him. And we get to do that every time we receive the Blessed Sacrament. May we do so with hearts that learn to focus on him rather than all that's wrong. Because he wants to enter into those dark situations, that land of gloom, so that he can be for us the light that shines and guides us through the darkness.